Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn, along with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin, as always, coming to you for the West Coast. Hello. Hail and well met. Today, we're talking about episodes uh, four and five of Dead City. And uh, unfortunately, not a lot of news items out there, but that's not shocking given the the strikes that are still going on. And, you know, I think that that's going to impact a lot of stuff in the next few months. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think it's going to be a little bit like it was during COVID where there was sort of like this stretch where there wasn't a ton coming out and then suddenly a massive amount of stuff coming out. So, yeah. uh, but right now, I mean, and I don't blame them, but this is going to be, it's going to be a, a haul, a long haul for them. So, you know, uh, we'll have to see how things unravel. <laughs> so yeah. just, um, and one thing that I just thought of, uh, HA, when um, a few, a few, months weeks ago when we were just entering i think our our slow period for the summer mm-hmm. uh there uh, the emmys were happening right yep. wasn't that around that time yeah. and there there were there were a handful of articles i want to say av club and some others that i found to be like you know legit who were like interview with the vampire needs to get a freaking emmy that show yeah. was great and and then after it didn't win any i think is how it kind of broke down they were like that was a goddamn travesty that was a great show. So I, I was just, you know, remembering those articles and and how I thought it was cool that at least critics and people who, you know, watch a lot of TV um, and write about it were were really pushing for a show that you and I both enjoyed. And we have another season coming out, not yeah. too long to go. Um, I just, you know, just mentioning that as, as well. As, and I also, I also, and then we did see that The Last of Us and a lot of the actors in The Last of Us got nominated for things that. Honestly, I don't think a few years ago would have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that people have some appreciation for the fact that, you know, these these things, these these things that people are putting together isn't just about like horror. There is a lot to, to it. Um, and I think that th- traditionally anything that had this kind of like either sci fi or horror or whatever it was would have this kind of um stigma attached to it that it wasn't necessarily high drama or it wasn't worthy of some of these um is some of these types of of honorifics and things like that but um i i think that that's changing definitely um and so i agree though i definitely think that interview the vampire should have been nominated and maybe we'll see a a change this coming season um not just for the acting but i i also thought that just as a as a piece of art, <laughs> the whole thing was really done very well. So we'll see. Um, and then, of course, you know, our dearth of news, I think, is going to, this is always the case this time of the year anyway, but we'll start to see a ramp up around Halloween and things yeah. like that. So hopefully, right? <laughs> we will. We will. You have a little faith. Just for like non-union projects or stuff that was already in the bag? Well, the interesting thing is, um, so a friend of mine who does sort of, he does independent horror films and things like that. Apparently you can um, appeal to to SAG and uh, basically say, hey, my movie is not under these big umbrellas. It's this budget. This is where the funding is coming from. Um, And they're apparently allowing some types of... um, 
like uh, oh a twenty four was was the one that was let it yeah. let through because they met basically all the union's requests and it was like sure we'll do that we'll do all those things right and so, so that, they, they were that, given a green light also these smaller independent productions I think are getting um, special dispensation during this time period so yeah. um, they are being allowed to go forward with some of their stuff however I think that the appeals process is there's a lot of people lined up for it and they are doing a lot of very intense vetting because basically what they don't want is some of these quote unquote independent productions um actually being you know independent productions under the guise of the bigger shops so mm-hmm. um but anyway i i kind of like the fact that sag's allowing that i think that's awesome and so hopefully that means there will be some stuff and maybe it's some really interesting things that may not have gotten quite um quite the uh stage that center stage that that maybe they will get because there will be a dearth of other productions happening um so so if these projects are coming out when there is somewhat of a um i don't know a film slash series desert maybe we'll get maybe they'll get some uh recognition so that's kind of cool idea so we'll see um but anyway uh do you want to talk about Dead sea. Oh, also, by the way, yet another article came out about 28 years later, but it was not uh, hmm. any more information than we had already seen. This one was a little bit more. Um, oh, they're they're definitely doing it. And it was just exactly regurgitating what we had seen before, just in terms of the interviews. So so I, I kind of like whoever keeps sort of putting that out there, because I think that they're trying to convince <laughs> Uh, Danny Boyle and and everybody else that this is a good idea. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, that's funny. I kind of love it. <laughs> so uh, keep keep it coming. Whoever's like really pushing for this. Um, so twenty eight years later, we'll see. Um, but anyway, ready to talk about these two episodes? Let's do it. Everybody wins a prize. Is episode four. And that one was written by Kevin Dowling and nope, directed by Kevin Dowling and written by Eli Journey, the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, it's got flashbacks and it's got Steve Ogg, mm-hmm, which, which is kind of awesome. That, to was see crazy. Again. that was crazy. Um, and like some sort of, you know, two rooms in a hallway of the sanctuary. Right. Right. Which, but which you know, you can just go to like a mini storage and basically get those shots, I guess. So you don't have right. to worry too much. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a flashback. With uh, Negan sort of seeing what Negan had been describing before with the Croat um, and how he had tortured um, this young girl. And that's sort of like the bridge too far. Um, Well, it's curious in this scene because Negan doesn't really react in the flashback. He's thinking about it still. Um, Steve Simon is the one going, you are out of line. We don't do kids and da, da, da. And Negan's just kind of standing there looking at everything. And then the flashback ends and he's just kind of staring off into space. And Maggie is trying to read his his facial expression. But I I thought that that was quite that was quite interesting. Like that that was a choice that they made to be like, he's not going to he's not in the moment or in the flashback. He's not protesting. He's not shooting the guy's ear off. Although we 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 think that that is the event that leads to the ear shooting. Right. You just don't see it. Um, he does look, he does react a little bit with his face, but you're right. Like he's not the one vocally uh, like chastising the Croat. Um, and again, you know, I, I'll go back to what we have talked about before, which is that Negan has been very capable 
of doing horrific things. And we have seen him do horrific things. We saw him do it to Glenn. When in fact, we see it uh, another flashback um, to that, to that moment again with Maggie. Um, and so it's, there is definitely this tension. And, and also we just watched him kill one of these people. And that seems really kind of, that that whole thing we'll have to talk about. I'm really bothered by it. Um, just everything about it. But oh, the the Luther death still. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's like not only did he do it, but he kept a thing from him, which I just don't buy it. That was um, stupid. Yeah, that was something that he'd in front of other people asked the guy on. for. Yeah, and not was... just that, but something that was clearly the guy's. Like, I just don't buy that Negan's that dumb. Um, so anyway, like, so we have him here and we see a little bit of the Croat, we see a little bit of the Croat sort of, sort of insane, like, um, zealotism, I guess, in trying to like get, and we, and we also learned that this person was supposedly sent by the king, um, from the kingdom. Um, and so that's another thing. And, and, you know, this is a young girl, like, probably like a teenager or something like that. And she's been, you know, tortured to death. And so it was really cool to see Simon in these scenes. Um, I think, you know, he wasn't in a ton of that. Like it was just a very little minimal yeah. appearance, but you could tell how much fun he and, and, um, uh, uh, and Negan were having in this, it was like a fun little interaction. Um, and uh, Richard Dean Morgan was like, Richard Dean Morgan, no. No, no, sorry. Am I like... Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, sorry. Richard Dean Anderson is MacGyver? Yeah, I guess I'm messing up my heroes here, or my (laughs) anti-heroes. Anyway, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was saying, like, you know, commenting how great it was to see him. And and so I think that that was, like, really fun to bring him back. And Oh, did they have clips of that in the after show? I didn't watch either of the after shows. He commented on it, like, in a couple of places. That was, like, not a huge, like, it was just, like, oh, so great to see whatever, you know. And Steve, and Steve again. And uh, so anyway, and they always seem to have a good time working together before. So I think that's probably a lot of fun to do that kind of a callback. I'm just um, happy to see Simon back chewing scenery. Uh, no, um, but, um, and you know the 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 Croat in the scene looks a little decrepit, even yeah. more decrepit. He's and- tiny. He's like a tiny person. I mean, it doesn't hurt that Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Steve Ogg are both quite tall, and Steve Ogg is still working out like a madman. He's just he looks like he, looks he looks huge. And by comparison, uh, I forget the actor's name who plays the Croat. Croat is like. Uh, Vladik something something yeah he always plays this kind of a character so Zelko uh Ivanek and he is he looks completely tiny his his body language though is also like a little bit um crony and this is foreshadowing because in the second episode that we watched for today we we see more of that sort of body language but what we're used to in New York so far in the show is him as the boss kind of strutting and you know laughing and ordering people around uh, but I thought it was quite interesting, and I do think it was foreshadowing in this flashback to have him be like scuttling around like a little m- torturous crab man. Uh, anyway, I thought that was quite interesting, even though it was a fairly short flashback. And when he uh, when he is brought back to the present, they're all like, "Where's Luther?" Um, uh, and nobody knows where Luther is. But uh, they're you know they're 
bringing up some ideas. Where would he have gone? Well, he's a free man. He can go wherever he wants. And uh, and Negan is like, well, he didn't like the plan. Yeah, it's a little. And Maggie keeps looking at Negan like, what is up? And but she's also hiding her own thing because she. What is going on with that? I mean, again, the second episode that we we watched for this. There were a few things that happened in that that I did not at all see coming. And I was like, holy wow. So, yeah, some of the question marks we've had about her behavior toward Negan and her behavior in general in this show kind of is getting answered. Not really, but uh, we, we I think we have more reason to have been confused about how how things were going earlier. So, uh, but yeah, let's, we can get to there. Um, but yeah, you're right. Maggie is just looking at Negan and trying to read him uh, in a lot of these <laughs> early scenes. Um, and another uh, thing starts popping up in this episode and maybe, maybe nothing is going to come of it, but people like misplacing stuff or saying, I thought uh, I had, where are my matches? Where's, and then in the next episode, she's like, I thought I had another flashlight. I'm like, is this going to be a theme? Yeah. What's going on? I mean, his matches show up almost immediately. And we know that she has them. So apparently she'd had them to not burn that doll the night before. Yeah. Um, so they kind of like, oh, they're like, I guess Luther's not coming, no big deal. And their little group of doomed idiots. I'm sorry, the New York for the New Yorkers to be this dumb continues as a theme from the last episode where they were like, uh, we what are we? Why are we doing this suicide mission for your child? Okay, here we yeah, go. It also just seems, again, this just seems like an ill-fated and a stupidly planned plan. They've survived um, for fifteen years in like the apocalypse. Why they do a frontal assault on this massive. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like the, it's this. It's Madison Square Garden for the love of God. Like it's not exactly easy to get in and out of there even when they're super secret little tunnels. Um, I have to say their scenes of Penn Station don't look all that different from what it looks like today. So, you know, I guess the apocalypse just didn't do much to it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but... Uh, well, there was know, there were fewer Jamba Juices in the, yes, in the yeah. show. Um, but, but, you know, like the whole idea that this group of people who have been kind of scraping along their their numbers are dwindling they're now it seems like they're at like five or six people right there's maybe eight to ten but they don't show them all get killed but i mean if we were to believe it by the death scenes there's only like yeah six of them but i think i think it was like 10 in some of the scenes where they're all walking toward the toward penn station yeah Uh, but they're not they're not like scared like remember when maggie showed up with all those hero style characters in season 11 um but they all got killed by the Reapers. Um, this is not those guys. <laughs> These are all like, uh, yeah, I'm an accountant. Um, but, you know, on the weekends, I cosplay Walking Dead survivors. I don't know. It didn't. Yeah, they definitely felt like the B team for yeah. sure. Not yeah, even the B team. Like the gosh, even, even as the episode progresses, that just continues. Like you don't even really you just see this pile of walkers over people. Don't even really see any kind of you know real fighting um, no it's it's but- not impressive in penn station they kind of go into these ticket booths which they're being used as prisons or jail cells or something chambers yeah i yeah. thought it was kind of an interesting idea to um showcase ticket booths as, as that um 
Although why every ticket booth would have its own door, I guess, seems a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that seems a little weird. But um, but anyway, and there's this moment where Maggie thinks that she's found Herschel and it turns out not to be. Just another know, kid. Another another, kid. another dead child. This, yeah. this show is not exactly like light and fluffy. Nope. Uh, but that's, you know, uh, okay. and Negan, Negan's there. He's trying to help. He says something like, don't you worry, Maggie, we're going to find your boy. Um, even though we know as an audience, he just did something kind of horrible. And she is in that moment. I thought this was like an interesting moment, right? Like she's like, oh, I have to tell you something, Negan. And then she finds the beeswax and she's like, ah, forget it. I'm not going to tell you that your adopted daughter is here in New York. Yeah, which again, I don't really buy again. Like all this stuff about Maggie, like say what you want. I just don't think she would have kept that from him. We just don't know what her motivations are anymore because- yeah. Because of what happens in the next episode, yep. all of her motive. I mean, her motivation is to get Herschel. I don't think that that's untrue, but everything else like her leadership, her why she went for Negan is does she even still have a beef against him? I'm not sure. Well, I don't I don't know what to believe anymore. I guess, you know, and, and again, this is this is what I'm taking issue with just in terms of the storytelling, everything we know about Maggie and everything we like, she's, she definitely has made bad decisions. We've seen this, we see them do certain things with her. This is one of those things where I absolutely do not believe anything about this um, in terms of how she would go about this whole thing. But the thing um, is, H.A., the, the problem here is they've introduced a massive time jump for this show, this spinoff. Yeah. Negan, Negan talked about like years ago, he was with Ginny and years before that, he was with his daughter and his wife, daughter or son, their child and, and his wife before he put them on like a wagon train to Minnesota or whatever, mm-hmm. like years and years and years have passed. And last time we had a massive time jump, you had all this. Uh, we had a lot more show going on to talk about what happened in the time jump and why people were traumatized and why they had changed. Um, like didn't. Um, Michonne was mm-hmm. suddenly not not welcoming the Hilltoppers or whatever it was like those all those beefs. This amount of time jump, Maggie's character could have fundamentally changed. Like that has to be part of our calculus here too. Okay, I think her her maybe certain things about that. Sure, maybe that could have happened. But I also think that Maggie isn't stupid, and she does know all she needs to know about Negan and all she needs to know about getting Herschel and as we'll talk about like the different things that are revealed. Um, I think that like she would have gone about this in a different way um, because while she, you know, has a certain goal here, she also knows what Negan's capable of and she does know what motivates him. And she also knows that he owes her one and he does a big one. And so like, I just think you could say like him even going with her for this is sort of helping with that, but, or, or trying to pay that back. Um, but I feel, I feel like she would have had a moment that she would have come clean and they would have had a plan mm-hmm. because this seems artificial to me. And it also seems like it changes her chances of getting her kid. So, you know, uh, again, so we'll, we'll talk about that as we get into this episode, but let's, let's kind of finish up talking about this wonderfully, horribly planned assault upon the Madison Square Garden arena. There's another, um, yeah, there's there's another scene that happens after the not telling Negan about Ginny between the Croat and a androgynous child mm-hmm. uh, where he's like, don't worry, you're you're a great, you don't have to be scared of me. Do you know how to work this DVD player? Uh, 
it's I'm not sure what the purpose of that scene was now. Well, it's really uh, weird. I mean, we've seen we've seen him. Um, well, I think it was just sort of, you know, like he just says what he needs to say. Um, we've seen him kill followers just for serving him rotten meat. Um, and in this case, there's like an icky feeling about how he deals with children. We always we, and gives like this kid a candy, and it was just like a kind of strange. I agree with you. I feel like more is going to come out, but this served some purpose, I guess, to show that there was this whole plan in place. Because um, the the kid basically starts the music, is, which is starts off the walkers all coming into the arena to to get the rebels and Maggie. The so. kid starts, yeah. The kid starts the music. Everybody, all the Barazzi and everybody else gets out of Madison Square Garden. We never see the kid again. Mm-hmm. But not, <laughs> so yeah. maybe the kid is still there, but they were never shown again. So there's no yeah. way of knowing uh, exactly what happened. Um, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting scene. I felt like there was some identity stuff going on in it too but yeah it was mostly just creepy because it's the croat and we know that he kills children so of course that child should be concerned about being close to him yep uh maggie and maggie is like now the plan is in place um they've come up with like a new plan (laughs) on with chalk and some paper i was like wasn't this the the original plan what we're coming up with a new plan and so now they've split up Uh, this is the part where maggie's getting wheels Negan's luring the Croat and the New Yorkers are just walking to their deaths because they're idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how it goes, except that Maggie does not get a vehicle. She instead runs into Ginny, who's been shadowing them and then spends the rest of the, her time there, like just chasing Ginny and trying to convince her that she's not that she has her best interests at heart. <laughs> Which is and then they all and then they all walk right into yeah, the, except the Negan arena. without well, not with Negan, but yeah, the, every the, they meet up with the New Yorkers in the arena, and the New Yorkers are like, nobody's here. I'm like, oh my god, it's such a tra- it's so clearly a trap, you guys. Right, and like, why would you walk into the middle of a room with no cover? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. And then you know, and then obviously hilarity ensues where the walkers all come in, and they're like forced to fight for their lives and against all odds and. I mean, there's just it just felt incredibly stupid to me. It was so dumb uh, that they didn't just immediately go into the cage. Right. Like, because that was obviously the like, I mean, I, again, they didn't want to get trapped, I guess. But like, they already so many like, of them died without even it didn't even seem like a fight, really. Yeah. Like, just kind of waited for the walkers to come. Yeah. Um, And you know so that was that was like ridiculous and then maggie seems sees for whatever reason this way out but then sees Ginny in the cage and like goes back for her and that's how they end up in the middle of the cage um, maggie in this in this series of um shots during this scene it feels like she's really callously just getting people killed um yeah um even the bag lady who'd shown up last episode and seemed to be sort of yeah. a hero character uh, I think she only showed up and became sort of a hero character to die here. Clearly, that's all she was there for. Um, they make these little shield of pads. And it doesn't really work very well. And people are still there's only four of them left at that point anyway. And then Tommaso shows up out of nowhere, who last time we saw him was covered in zombies, like eight mm-hmm. zombies and not a bite on him. Nope. 
that is more confusing to me than the fact that he eventually ends up being a, a traitor. And yet other people get secret bites in weird parts of their bodies, no matter what. Yeah, and actually we don't know that he's a traitor during this episode either. So no, spoiler alert, but we're getting there in the next episode. It, it was fairly obvious that one of them was going to be a traitor, I guess, because yeah. of how the Barazzi always seemed to be a couple steps ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, although it does raise the question of like, why were they trying to, why were they torturing a New Yorker uh, at the beginning of the, sh- of the season? If they yeah. already had a guy who could give them all the Intel. Who had been giving them all the Intel. So that's yeah. kind of right. So there's a little, little bit of an odd one there, unless they wanted two traitors. Um, so yeah, the, the New Yorkers basically all die except for Amaya and Tommaso in this scene. And uh, then they, they, you know, eventually in this scene, they managed to go into the sewer. And um, meanwhile, Negan and the Croat have been playing cat and mouse. Um, and the Croat kind of is onto them because Negan was whistling for him. That was what sort of lured him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most surprising thing about all of these interactions where they eventually do have a face to face is how happy the Croat is to see Negan. And I feel like the show certainly had not been setting us up to expect that. So I kind of thought that was interesting. Uh, how did you how did you like those scenes? No, I thought that that was fine. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, with him, he seems so unstable that it, like you could see him faking the joy. You like, could. oh, I'm so joyful. I'm, I'm so excited to see you, but I'm going to torture the crap out of you. So you could totally see that happening. And that's kind of what I thought they were doing until a little later. Um, and then they also have the marshal there um, and, you know, Negan's sort of forced rescue of him, which surprises the Croat. Um, and he's in pretty bad shape because the Croat takes like a chunk out of his leg with that, that fishing thing. The, they have those terrible uh, props, but the, they have like a very effective nail gun gun. Right. Uh, yeah. And the uh, Croat also name drops someone called Jerome, who was apparently a savior who told him all about the savior war and how it all went for Negan. So he has a fair amount of Intel. I don't remember a character named Jerome. Do you? I don't either, but you know, it's all good. Fine. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Um, and so anyway, Negan and uh, Pearly go running and Pearly immediately turns on Negan. And again, I think this is just stupid. Um, I don't think that Pearly would do this. Um, I just think, you know, especially since he knows why they're there, he knows that Negan and Maggie are there to rescue Herschel. Um, and then once he gets information about why Negan did what he did, it just feels ridiculous. Um, so, and also they're still kind of fighting against all these walkers and fighting against the odds and like trying to survive. And he's still focused on like bringing Negan in. It just seems just ridiculous to me. It is uh, kind of, yeah, like one dimensional, but obviously now that they are um, in the trope yeah. of the, like <laughs> the bounty hunter and the bounty, uh, the bounty person, that trope is happening. They're building that relationship. And now uh, we can build up from, you're coming in, you're coming with me and you're a dick to, oh, you, we both work for the state. I was a gym teacher and you were like a, a garbage raft. Yeah, yeah something uh, like that. Okay. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's I think that's happening mostly in the next episode because, yeah, it basically ends with you're a dick and then Maggie going down into the sewers. But um, I, I like I, I like the break it down so you can build it back up sort of plot line. Maybe in a real in real life, Pearlie would be more grateful than um citing code and chapter and verse of the of the criminal code to Negan right before he tries to take him in again. So but 
but it's still like better for the storytelling, I think, for him to to kind of turn on him immediately. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess you got to have some kind of tension there. So then we're in episode five, the stories we tell ourselves. I don't remember either of these lines being spoken in these episodes. Everybody wins a prize was the last one. And oh, Amaya says that, oh, Amaya she does. Says that at the beginning of the planning thing. Um, and stories we tell ourselves is this one, which was written by Brenna Kalf and uh, directed by Ganja Montero. Um, this one is a lot of sewers, sewer stuff. Mm. The sewer. I don't know what I was expecting it. The, the whole like conceit of this giant sewer that you can walk in upright, just being <laughs> full of zombie bodies or dead humans or whatever they are. Um, <laughs> decomposing filled yeah. with methane. It's amazing that they're able to breathe at all. I don't think they would be. I think they just die. I feel um, like, yeah, if every, the first person to go down the ladder would have passed out. The second person would have passed out on top of them. And so on <laughs> until you had a stack of bodies at the bottom of the ladder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a little silly and like not as silly though as Maggie's refusal to wear an oxygen mask throughout yeah. the entire episode. Yep, uh, yeah. and and then not take it when one becomes available. <laughs> um, so you know she she kind of goes through this whole thing, and then she you know they're going through the sewers, and she ultimately accuses Tommaso of being the rat. Um, and it turns out he is, and he's got two oxygen things, which he and Amaya have been trading off, and then they give one to the to Ginny. Um, and they're going through this whole, like, it's sort of monotonous because they're just going through, like, you know, room after room or tunnel after tunnel bodies. But it's like these big rooms that are just, or these big tunnels that just, you're not, like, necessarily crawling through. Fine. You know, there's walkers sort of here and there. Um, and then there's, like, the whole really big scene where she kind of, she has promised Amaya that she could end up at the brick place. And then it all goes kind of south there because walkers start sort of appearing and yeah. um, sort of in the piles of the bodies. And they, you know, look, the makeup artist must have had a, real, a lot of fun with some of this because it's like the decomposing bodies, the walkers that are kind of like coming through them, other things coming through them. And, yeah. you know, and then, and then here, you know, when when faced with only a few of these, Tommaso suddenly bites it, and so does Amaya in a way that just seemed insane to me compared what? to what they were just dealing with. I think I wasn't looking at the screen when Amaya. I just I look up at some point, and Amaya's eyes are closed, and she's not moving. I'm like, did she yeah, just like, die immediately to something? I don't what, know. It was just what very, killed her. It was very strange, like how they did this. Uh, like I think that they had the walker sort of but it seemed like it was like a lot more than what they initially showed again this just seemed ridiculous to me and um especially with what they had just dealt with in the in the arena and then Tommaso also like weirdly succumbs really quickly and Maggie doesn't take his oxygen mask which is dumb hmm. um and you know he you know she she he basically told her that the reason why he gave them all up was because um, there it wasn't useful fighting. He was going to get a boat because he implies that Amaya is pregnant or something, and that they were going to like get out of there and go to the place, which is basically describing Brick. Um, and so, you know, so Maggie has some insight 
um, into a little bit of this, but, you know, leaves it basically leaves them. And by the way, the whole storyline with these like tribe people, well, Negan's never going to get like nothing's ever going to happen because nobody's going to ever know that he killed that other Luther because now they're all dead. Um, and then she and Ginny are left to kind of make their way. And yeah. she she says some things to Ginny, just that she needs Negan to help her with her son that she didn't tell him about Ginny and Ginny being there because she didn't know if Ginny was dead or alive, but she wouldn't have, she might still not because she needs his help. And so, and she doesn't want him to take Ginny out of the city and that kind of thing. And of course, like there's not a lot to go here because Ginny's totally silent, right? Yeah. But (laughs) she nods at the end of the speech. She gives her a nod, uh, but then has like a little repartee later, (laughs) later on after Maggie has like said, save yourself. I'll hold them off. Right. I'm like, and- I, I don't know why Jenny would still be so, uh, so salty against Maggie when she was, she just saved her from like a five in one zombie, uh, yeah. which was pretty cool effects. Uh, I don't know, you know, like, especially when those extra heads started chewing through the yeah. torso. That was pretty <laughs> oh, funny. Boy. Wow. Uh, but at that point, Maggie's been wandering around in the methane tunnels for so long that she's kind of, almost useless except for the fact that her left hand by itself can hold five bodies uh yep. away from her yeah because not only does she have to keep the main head away and the head next to that head but there's two heads lower down so if she gets the body anywhere close to her she's getting bitten and right. and she's wearing like a um you know her little sexy tank top number so she can't she's got a lot of exposed skin and just a, a thin layer of cotton between her and five four or five zombie mouths i know i know and then um but eventually she prevails she just keeps hitting like killing heads and then they do the last sort of jump scare at the end where she yeah i was like i know that there's another one where is it and then they used it for a jump scare uh that they don't do a lot of jump scares in this show so i thought that was actually i mean i wasn't actually i did not jump i was not scared but it's rare for this show to engage in that level of uh horror tomfoolery so i was ha- i was proud of him for for trying yeah yeah <laughs> um, um then she yeah. gets panels and she sees this big liar written out um by Ginny, and there's like all these flashbacks um where the big reveal happens and well one of the big reveals for this episode but that the yeah and that's that Ginny for some reason had climbed into the grain silo and was like is there grain here yes there is why did she go in there i don't know I don't know. It was kind of strange, um, but it's uh, and then, you know, but the, the fact reveal- remains the, the Barazzi did not steal their grain. Did, but did we not, also yeah. see the reveal with Maggie and well, I guess that's at the end of this episode. But um, so we know that that's why Ginny's like there's a lot of reasons why Ginny is not trusting Maggie, but because she mentioned that the grain had all been stolen and that was part of her motivation. Jenny is not buying it and nor should she. And why so- does she need that to be part of her motivate? Like, why does that need to be part of her backstory? Why not just say they came and stole my son? Right. Cause that seems like motivation enough to just come and get him. Because I don't know when, when she's giving her speech, she's like, not only did they come and take my, our, all of our food. So we're going to like my, you know, my community will starve worse than that. They took this child, my child. I'm like, is it worse that, that he was taken or is it worse that like 40 or 50 people will starve to death? Uh, I don't know, Maggie. Right. And so I think she had to make it be a bigger thing to, cause she's basically still trying to convince Jenny that she's not going to tell Negan she's there. So I think that that was part of it too. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, anyway, it's, it's pretty weak sauce. We also have uh, the Croat going on this visit to the well, well, let's, let's talk about wait. So you mean at the the, the theater later? Yeah, uh, that's way at the end. Let's talk about Pearlie and Negan uh, because they do have their buddy. Their, their relationship building. They go to a school bus where Negan uh, wraps him up. I guess there isn't a whole lot to this plot, but it's the A, it's the really. a and B. Um, and, you know, like, Pearly is limping quite badly, but they stay together pretty well until, uh, you know, Negan is basically his prisoner. Um, they go into this weird building where I was like, this could go really bad. Uh, it, like the doll stuff, it's looking sketchy. It's looking it's looking bad. But then they find a guy who's uh, or a person who has axed, figured out a way to axe himself in the face ingeniously, I would say. Uh, and after some conversation with Pearlie, Negan decides, uh, you know what? This isn't working for me. I need to go take care of my, my, my business. I, can't, I don't have time to be his prisoner and tries to get away from him. But then feels bad that Pearlie is not in great shape and is like, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to leave you to die. I thought this was good. This was good. Uh, even more of this like Negan character building where in this show we've been, is he old Negan? Is he new Negan? This is definitely not old Negan stuff that he's doing. And he keeps saying things like, you don't know who I am. And he says this to everybody. Um, so there's that. Um, and then I guess we go to the hotel where Croat's there trying to hide his ear. Under I thought this, this was a flashback, you know, like, Suddenly he dri- he drives up in a Croat in a Barazzi car. So I guess you could think it's recent-ish. And then he puts a hat on to hide his ear and goes into this theater with all, the- all these people. And I'm like, who are all these people? They not- don't necessarily look like Barazzi, but maybe they are. Uh, I thought I was kind of confused by a lot of this uh, scene. Yeah. So there's this whole little enclave, I guess, of Negan-esque type people or Croat type people. And... They keep talking about, you know, how um, there's always the people who want things to go back the way it was and you have to protect from them. And there's this whole sort of plot that they need Negan to lead them or that's what it seems like they're saying. Um, the really weird woman, the Dama, who he's coming to see clearly like keeps talking about stage references and about heroes and she's chastising the Croat. So it's like the kind of first indication that the Croat isn't running the show, which is the assumption, which he is a minion here, definitely. Um, and he has been kind of failing in his mission. So, um, yeah, the, this is the, where the, the, the foreshadowing from the previous episode definitely comes back. And it, now again, he's bowing and scraping and talking about how he succeeded in extracting information and the, you know, the problem was taken care of, but he'd also screwed up and not delivered Negan. And so he's getting, yeah, chastised by this, you know, I don't know, well, like a old starlet, maybe like, you know, uh, admiring herself in her uh, mirror with the light bulbs around it. it, it it's kind of a, a funny thing where if the New Yorkers who all just got killed were, you know, thought they were like the the last survivors or the dominant survivor group on the on, on Manhattan. They didn't know about this like Broadway niche. Uh, right. Clearly, of... <laughs> this Broadway niche of villains happening. Uh... <laughs> it's is pretty silly, but um, there they are, being being evil, and um, it's. I'm not sure how they're going to make this woman feel like a real uh, leader, 
the the woman who comes out of her um dressing room right before the croat goes in and, and you know she's like get out of my way and uh and he's like who, who we're talking to them now so i feel like they're trying to like you know first of all they did successfully throw me a, a curveball with the scene i'm like what he's yeah, not in it- charge but then there's like possibly multiple factions here right um so, so setting us up for this third act which is the last episode of the season although right. i guess then- maybe yeah yeah, and then they reveal even more with Maggie's flashback, which is basically that she was given no no instructions, just given the wanted poster by the Croat as they pulled Herschel away. Yeah. Um, so no instructions. Maybe she got more, but that was all. And, you know, so she has successfully lured Negan into this and knows all this. And so I go back to what I was wanted to say at the beginning of this episode, which is that Maggie knows Negan well enough. She knows that he owes her one. She knows that her best chance of getting Herschel isn't just to give him up to this crazy dude that's been raiding them. Um, it would be to come clean to Negan and tell him what was going on and have them go in with eyes open. And I, I you know, regardless of what might have happened to her over the years, I do think Maggie, especially because she wants so much to have her son survive and that's her one reason for existence um i just don't think that she would mess it up this way Mm. and i don't i think even some of the ways they have her acting here are unlike her um and you know certainly she could always have that animosity animosity with negan and i think you know we saw that at the end of the the true the the og series where she was just like okay we're you know it's not going to be okay but we're we're not gonna like be at odds at this point we're just kind of letting it go i'm gonna let it go because i have to move forward and i just don't believe that she wouldn't know i mean we saw her ally with him for specific reasons and usually they had to do with her kid and she knows like i mean negan saved herschel protected him mm-hmm. in that kind of last siege in the last like she knows all of that and she also knows that negan isn't going to just let herschel sit out there so all of this subterfuge to me seems like BS, but I guess they had to come up with something to do a show. I am curious. I am curious about what this faction is. I think that's the most interesting thing that's happened. Um, and I am really like, I just feel like this whole tribe of New Yorkers thing was sort of a throwaway. Like, yeah. why even bother with all these characters? Like, make it good. Make it like actually feasible that they could fight the croat or that they would be smart enough not to fight the croat whatever it might be yeah i'm fine with them introducing this this tribe of new yorkers and then being like them saying hell no we're not going to help you but here's a map you can use this map and maybe tomaso tomaso can show you where they are because they want you know that that would have made sense in the story too for tomaso to volunteer in quotes to right, take and then to, and then yeah. give them up or something because that was and rather than betray his whole group of people, but for like, them all to just walk in into there and and all to just die so easily did feel like a waste of a, a faction, yeah. and it feels like something that Fear the Walking Dead has done too many times too, where they introduce people and either just forget about them or just get them all killed right away, yep. which is silly. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, why not just tell him what's going on in her defense? She did try to go to New York by herself first. Right. That was the first scene of this, yeah, of this show. She tried to do it alone. She saw the water and started to cry. <laughs> uh, so maybe she's, uh, you know, she was like, I got to go get Negan anyway. But then she, yeah, she has been doing this uh, without telling him why. And Ginny's onto her 
and she's going to have a lot of splaining to do. Um, but at the end of this episode, Ginny gets she's out in the streets. She pulls up a flare pistol, shoots it up into the sky. Negan sees it. Maggie sees it. We can assume everybody else in New York is seeing it. And uh, I'm sure shenanigans will ensue when they get back together for the final episode of the season. And Maggie's got she's going to have to to come clean or something. I know. And, you know, maybe we can have Ginny actually talk because that has actually been kind of a ridiculous thing in this whole thing. Like, let's actually have this character. I don't know, like interacting with people. So I don't know. Um, we shall see what happens in the in the final episode. And I mean, knowing that it's been renewed, I guess they have somewhere to go with it. So we shall see. They have a lot to wrap up with this new faction that they just introduced, though. So, well, they, they could just be introducing uh, another big bad for next season. It's still called yeah. Dead City, which True. makes us think that they're not going to get out of New York. Not out of the city, I guess. Not getting out of New York in the final episode or they're going to go to another city. Maybe they'll, the next one will be in uh, you know New Haven. Yeah, the other thing I was wondering, though, and they still haven't fully... I did notice that the walkers in certain places were, like, running, which does not normally happen. Um, so oh, yeah, there were there was I some lurching, know, anyway. And I didn't know if they were going to introduce, like, the smart walkers into this that we saw. I was expecting them to have smart or fa- fancy walkers in every spinoff now, since it was such a big thing yeah. at the end of the last season. Yeah, so maybe they're saving that for uh, Daryl's show. I don't know. But um, in any case, we shall see what the last episode beholds. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to watching it and seeing what they come up with. Absolutely. So uh, if you want to get at us, you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. Our shows are online at reanimated.podbean.com. And uh, yeah, give us a holler. And join us again next time when we finish up the first season of Dead City. Looking forward to it. Um, So I will say toodaloo. Ciao. See you next time. Thanks for listening.